take your Bibles out to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to build up for next week, okay? So next week we've been talking about being bench warmers, so just put it in your mind. Next week is game day, okay? Next week is game day. We're going to bring all this together and explain what it means to, to truly uh, like to, to get off the bench and serve Jesus Christ and the difference that God wants us to make. Uh, I, I told this story in the first service. It's kind of embarrassing, but I got to say it just because uh, it's just the truth. So uh, I went all of my life, all the way until I got married, without ever, oh, man, I feel bad even saying this, without ever watching a football game. I know. Now I live in Buckeye Nation, and it's like, how could you? Because, I mean, toddlers now, babies get bibs now with Buckeye stuff on it. I mean, it's just like, I mean, here it's just part of your life. It's ingrained in you. It's like, so I, I didn't grow up in a house uh, that, that, that football or whatever was a big deal. I just didn't. And, and so I married a, a woman that was a football fanatic, and she was a Green Bay Packer fan. And I know that maybe. So, you know, maybe irk some of you, but she was a Green Bay Packer fan. And, and uh, I, I remember she'd be like, well, the game's on today. And I'm like, so? And she'd be like, I'm, I said, I'm going to take a, a nap. And she's like, you know, the roles reverse. And she'd be like, I'd like to have some friends over to watch the game. And, and I was like, well, I don't care about watching the game. And she goes, well, you, got, you can put the snacks together and we'll watch the game. And, and I, would, I would be, you know, I'd put snacks together and bring them, set them out. And like, do you guys need refills or whatever? And because I, I didn't understand, I didn't understand football. I, I never had a mom or a dad that watched it. I never had any of my siblings that watched it and stuff. So I was so far removed from that. And then I, I would sit there and I'd like, like, I don't understand it. So my wife began to coach me in football. She began to explain to me, this is like the sport. This is how it works. And, and it's it's cool concept because the whole point of football is that it takes a team. And if you take the team, you're going to learn that the team is made up of a variety of different type of people. Okay, so let me break it down. I'm, I'm not going to go deep into this, but I just want to kind of break it down. If, if you understand, the, the part that everybody knows of a football team is you got the quarterback. Everybody wants to be the quarterback, okay? you got the guy, they snap the ball, he gets it. And he's either got to pass it on to the runner, or he's got to throw it to the wide receiver, but he's, he's got a big, important job. But in front of him, he's got these guys that look nothing like the quarterback, these guys are big guys. And, and they snoop down in front of them, and man, they, they create a brick wall, okay? They create a wall, and it's like, you get to that guy, you got to come through us. And that, that's offensive line. They're ready to take you down, and they're ready to deflect or whatever. And their job is to do that. So you've got this defensive line, or the offensive line, a defensive line, and you've got these teams, and they're both going at it, trying to get the ball. They snap the ball, he goes back. And then all of a sudden, you got a group of guys or a couple of guys that are those wide receivers that are nothing like this group of guys, okay? This group of guys, not being mean or whatever, those, those guys are the, the guards and those guys that protect the quarterback. They look like they work out at Hometown Buffet. I'm just not being mean. It, it, it's just a different look, okay? And I've always wondered, you're a football player until you have to run up against one of them and you just bounce off onto the ground and you realize, okay, now I get it. They're made for that position. Can you imagine one of those guys trying to be the wide receiver? Okay, you know, they're, they're trucking down, they're running, jumping up in the air, grabbing the ball with one arm, rolling it in, going to the thing, jumping up with the ball, touchdown, everybody's freaking out because they were able to do that. All while they have people jumping on them, trying to bring them down. They're made for that. On the other side of them, you've got the defense, they're trying to guard the end and they're, they're lining up against it and those group of guys and they're trying to bust through this group of guys and then you have the guys that go in and will try to tackle them and sack the quarterback and then you'll have a timeout or whatever and they'll bring in another group of guys that's called the special teams and off to the side man you got these guys that are running from one end of the field to the other and they're jumping and they're being tackled and they're getting there I mean literally just charging into each other and they're I mean they're out of breath or whatever then you got this one dude it's just doing this on the sidelines. Stretching, he's a skinny little guy, got a weird helmet on. He's just, he's just, this is all he's doing, you know, he's just, he's just whatever. And then at a time, he'll go out there and like, boop. He's just like, he wins the game three-pointer and everybody's freaking out on this guy. And he's just like, why is it so unfair that that's all that guy's got to do? But let me tell you, that guy can make or break a football game. 
that guy has more pressure on him because a lot of times he goes out by himself and he's got all these people defending him and there's just wide variety. Now, you know, you say, what is the point of that? Let me just ask you a point blank question. Which one of these guys is more important? None of them. Now, let's just take, like, everybody loves Tom Brady. Let's just take Tom Brady for illustration. If everybody was a Tom Brady, I'll tell you what, there would be no offensive and defensive line. You know why? Because Tom Brady's not made for that. And Tom Brady is not the, that, that guy has to be quick on his feet, and he's got to be ready to, to dodge around and be able to deflect and think and, and, and jump out of the pocket in a second, things like that. But if he had to be that guy running down to the other, he'd probably be out of shape and not be able to catch the ball. Now, if Tom Brady had to go out there and he had to be that kicker and do that, he, he wouldn't do well because that's not what he's gifted to do. I, I, and I'm, I'm using this illustration of football because I think we understand it. Just for curiosity, how many of you love watching football? You just like football. Raise your hand. Okay, that's probably 75%. How many of you just being in here, you're just absolutely honest and say, I could care less. Raise your hand. Oh, wow, that's a pretty big percentage of you. Okay, uh, and, and I get that. I, I hope you can appreciate at least the illustration, it's neat because when Jesus was calling the disciples, and it's pretty cool how he made this mix of people. It's, it's actually really, really interesting of how he did that. He called Peter, and Peter's this like, jump in there, don't think about things, stick his foot in his mouth, speak really fast. You know what I'm saying? He's just kind of, he's the let's go guy, you know, no, no matter what. He's just the let's go. And, and then you, you've got the other guy. You've got Matthew, who's a tax collector. He's probably more the analyze things. You've got John that writes, and he wrote the book of John and First John and Second John and Third John. And you've you got this guy that's all talented to be able to do these different things. And then you've got Thomas. He's the questioning guy. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's got to serve with Peter. You think about it, if that didn't cause problems, you know what I'm saying? Peter is like, Jesus is like, let's go into the next city. And Peter would be like, let's go, baby, let's go. And, you know, let's just run at it. And Thomas would be like, Lord, I have some questions. And before we go, and I don't know if this is the right time. And you can imagine Peter's just like over there, Thomas again. Thomas, shut your mouth. Let's just go. Let's go. But God created us that way. Do you understand that God is a God of variety? God is a God of variety. I mean, the different things that they did, the different backgrounds that they had, he pulled different people together to create the team as strategic. Remember, God works through people, but when God works through people, God works through the variety of people. He didn't, he didn't make us all to be quarterbacks. He didn't make us all to be linebackers. He didn't make us to be wide receivers. He didn't make us all to be kickers. God loves variety. God loves the church that can be different cultures, black and white, and bring Hispanic, and God brings all of us together for the beauty of God. That's why anytime that you see racism involved in something like that, Satan's getting involved in something like that. You guys hear me with that? He loves to discredit the beauty of what God created. As much as God created the variety in this earth, God created the variety of people. And if you were to take flowers and you say man those daisies are so beautiful or you take roses and they're so beautiful or you're to take baby's breath and they're so beautiful you got this variety of flowers do you know when we put something together to make it even more beautiful is when you cut all those variety of flowers and you make a bouquet out of all the different shapes and the sizes and the colors and you put them into a, a, a vase and all of a sudden that is beautiful and you use that as a symbol of love to give to somebody on Valentine's Day or birthday or an anniversary or whatever because you're saying hey I love you you're beautiful take this that's what God did with the church. It's different people of different colors, of different backgrounds, of different races, of different, uh, different everything. Different ages. And God says it is a beautiful thing. God is a God of variety. And God loves to bring that variety together to make beautiful things for God. He's, the psalmist said, I will praise thee. You know why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made by God. You intentionally made by God. That, that fearfully made, distinctly made, standing in all of God's greatness. Nobody in this room is junk. Nobody. And, it, and people's minds are like, well, I'm just not good enough. Or I'm not, I'm not talented enough. Or I'm, I'm no pastor so-and-so. I'm no brother so-and-so. I don't have the gifts like so-and-so. No, no, no. You've got to stop. Do you know why we do that? Because we start saying, well, if everybody was a quarterback, not everybody's meant to be a quarterback. And if we were all a quarterback, we would all fail 
in the mission that God's given us. God is a God of variety. God made us fearfully and wonderfully made by the God on purpose. But I can tell you this, with every single one of us, no one was created by God to sit on the bench. No one was. Here, here's what happens in our culture today. Let's just be real. Because we know, man, things are different. I, I came here 20-some years ago as a youth pastor. And man, things were challenging. But man, things are challenging today. The world is different today. We know, we know how bad the world is because we talk about it. You know what I'm saying? We talk about how bad the world is. Things are just bad today. Man, these kids today, they, you know what they need? They, I'll tell you what they need. They just need Jesus. That's what these kids today. You know what every marriage needs in the church? They just need, they need, they need Jesus in the middle of their relationship. If somebody, they just need to go to church and they just, they need to be part of a life group so they can be mentored and know more about Jesus. Can you imagine if that's how the football game was played? Quarterback is sitting there, and I'll tell you what, what they need to do is they need somebody out there to throw that ball down there. That's what they need. It's Tom Brady, you know, he's like, I, I'll tell you what, I'm sick of that ball not being thrown. What in the world is wrong with those people? We just need somebody to throw that ball. And then coach comes up and says, Tom, I need to put you in the game. Oh, I'm, not, I'm nobody, man. Just you, you guys do that thing. That's your thing. I know I'm kind of joking with this, but I'm not joking with this. There's so many people that need Jesus. There's so many kids that need to know what you know. There's so many marriages that need to be mentored by you. There's so many ministries that are lacking, and I, I, and I, I see it in the culture that we live in today. You know, you know go anywhere. We, we had a life group activity uh, for our kickoff meeting that we had last week. We went there. We were all meeting at Panera Bread. We go up to Panera Bread for a thing. We had 20-some people with us. And a big sign on the door said, our lobby is closed due to a shortage of people. Couldn't even go inside. We ended up having to do takeout. And then we, like, we did like a, a picnic out in, uh, in front of Panera. We had a great time. We made the best of it. But it's just shortage of people. But it makes everything that they're doing suffer. It's the same thing in ministry, that God has a plan, and we all see the problems, and we see how things are a mess today, but we have the mindset, and the, the lie, here's the lie, Here, you guys listen to me, here's the lie, I really can't make a difference. And there's so many people that feel that, just, they come into church, and like, pastor, I just want to slip in the background, and just kind of be a fly on the wall, I'm no, I'm no Pastor Tony, and I'm no Matt Bell, and I'm no Pastor Chris, I'm no Pastor Bryce, I'm no, you know what I'm saying, we have this, I'm no Stacy Barrett, I'm, I'm not that person. You're not. I'm glad you figured that part out. But you are fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made. I, I want to break this down because in 1 Corinthians, he addresses a really important thing about reaching and changing the world. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, and you remember, this is the church that was in the middle of a mess. We did a whole sermon series called Different. We went through all the ways that God called us to be different as we went through this book. And I didn't get this far because I knew I was preaching this. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, church, Christians, I would not have you ignorant. So what is a spiritual gift? He says this. It's like sometimes we lay out spiritual gifts as being a talent. And let me tell you, we all have talents and abilities. Some of you guys are seamstress. And praise God for that talent that you have. So some of you guys can write and thank God for that talent. And some of you guys can sing and thank God for that talent. And, and some of you guys are gifted to be able to sew and thank God. And you have a green thumb or you can build or you can do all these things. There's a lot of talents that you have. But a spiritual gift is different than a talent. Now, don't get me wrong. God equips us with talent, but I'm taking a step deeper into this. Because we're not just talking about singing. We're talking about deeper than this. So what is a spiritual gift? Let, let me give you just a definition, okay? And I'm going to kind of do a lot of teaching. This is, you're going to walk out of here saying today was different. I promise you today is going to be different. Gifts given to you by the Holy Spirit to help you benefit your church family and its mission to reach the world. A spiritual gift is a gift given to you by the Holy Spirit to help you benefit your church family and its mission to reach the world. 
A spiritual gift is God working through your life in a specific way to do what you normally, naturally could not do in of yourself. That there's a power. When you got saved, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. And you not only got the seal of salvation, you got the power of the Spirit of God inside of you in a powerful way. To equip you to do that. You know, when Jesus was calling the disciples and like, I'm nothing but a fisherman for now, but I'm going to make you be a fisher of men. I'm going to do a work in your life. But Satan loves for us to be on the sidelines thinking, I can't really make a difference. So Paul writes to the church and he gets to this part and he starts addressing this. And you know why when we start talking about spiritual gifts, we get really nervous. You know what I'm saying? It's like, especially in a Baptist church. Okay, we get really nervous in a Baptist church. You're like, where's he going with this? And I think why we get so nervous is because we've seen so many extremes. You know what I'm saying? We get one extreme over here and people like, like add to it and kind of make things. And we get really nervous and saying, I can't really find that in scripture. And a lot of emotionalism gets inside of that. But then here's the, the dangers. We take things to the far other extreme and we're, we're just like, we're just dead. It's like, I'm nothing but a rock that just sitting here. No, you're not. Yeah, the, the God is a God of balance. And God is a, you, you know where I find my balance? I just study the word of God. We shouldn't be afraid, uh, afraid to address anything or preach on anything as long as we can point to it in the Word of God. God addressed us on purpose because he, he wants us to know this. He's, look at how he says this. Verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. He, he addresses this. He said, I don't, I don't want you being oblivious to the calling that you have on your life. I don't, I don't want anybody saying... I'm just not able to make a difference. I really can't make a difference. Because that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. And so many people are believing that. And that's why they just slip in, they do their thing, and they leave. This is important because they were coming out of a pagan culture. You guys know it was really wicked in their culture. He says, you know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. Now, the word dumb in that passage doesn't mean like we would say, like, you're, 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 like we, we use it as a derogatory thing, like tearing somebody down, like you're so dumb. That's not what it means, okay? Dumb means without the ability to speak or communicate. That's what it literally means in the, the, that sense of it. Just like you're, you're, it's a dumb idol. And God was saying, listen, you pray to a rock and you get no response from a rock because it's a rock. You make up an idol and you think that that should do something for you and it doesn't do anything. But you know what they would do? They would manufacture it because Satan is an imitator of the things of God. He's an angel of light. He's a deceiver. So what would happen is they would say that they got all these abilities and things like that from their gods. And he says this, Wherefore I give you to understanding that no man speak by the Spirit of God call it Jesus accursed. Because what was happening is they would come out and they would say crazy things and they were being used of the devil and people were like so nervous about the spiritual gifts that they had or the spiritual gifts from their false gods. And he said, and what? No man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. He was saying, I'm not talking about the garbage you guys came out of from acting weird from the, the fact that you worshiped a rock. Talking about the Holy Spirit of God coming in and doing something with you. It says verse 4, now, now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God that worketh all in all. He literally was breaking this down, talking about the differences. And, and, and even if you take uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and he said he gave some apostles and some pastors and some preachers and some evangelists for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. That's he said, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He said, there's a difference. I play a different role. I'm talking about knowing your role. I play a different role than a lot of you do. It doesn't make me better. There's a danger in churches where they begin to worship the pastor or, 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 or you treat him as like some sort of uppity up celebrity, whatever. I'm just a dude answering the call of God, doing my job to preach the word of God. I am not better than anybody else in this room. Not at all. Now, do I have a calling on my life? Yes. And you say, well, we respect the calling on your life. Praise God for that. But let me flip the script on you. You also have a calling of God on your life. 
Don't, don't sit there and say, well, thank God for what he does. You understand that we all have a role to play in this ministry of carrying out the gospel. But let me just break this down. He said, number one, the, these are some things that we need to know concerning spiritual gifts. Because it's in the Bible. Number one, there are different spiritual gifts. He says in verse 4, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There's one God, one spirit, one mission. But different gifts. Different peoples. He said, man, is there not a variety of these things? We can get so frustrated with people because we don't understand this. We can be like the Peter and Thomas, okay? Like, I get, I, get in, I get into that ministry and so-and-so just gets up and they just start praying over the ministry before we get started. And they start getting all emotional. And I'm like, we've got a schedule to keep. Let's get this show, you know, let's get this thing going. They're different than you. But if we don't understand that there's different spiritual gifts, we get frustrated with this. The Bible says that this over and over. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 speaks of spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4 references spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 references spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12 references spiritual gifts. Let me show you Romans chapter 12 because I, I, I want to show you that this isn't just here and there. Even in Acts chapter 2 in different passages we see where God equipped people with spiritual gifts. Now this is, this is, a, this is a list of, um, that just goes in order. I just want to preach this and give this out of these serving gifts. Now, they're listed in different ways, and I'll try to break these things down. We're actually, we're going to turn this into a teaching class, and I want you guys to get this. He says in Romans 12, 4, For as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. We don't have the same role. We're different. The office means a function or a deed. It means the work or the role that we play. It's just he says, well, you're going to find in a church that there's so many different ways in which God works through us. He said, verse 6, having then gifts, oh, verse 5, so we being many are one body and every one members one of another. So that we're, we're so many people and although we're so different, the Spirit of God connects us the same way as the body. If you go to the bottom of the chapter, it says, the hand is connected to the wrist, which is connected to the elbow, which is connected to the shoulder, and connected, to, you know, and all this. You say the Bible says that we're all different, but we're all connected. No, nobody's in this alone. That's why I go back to last week's message we were talking about. It. First message we did about how our discipleship path. We, we, we worship together on Sundays. We grow together in groups. We serve together on a team. That's what we're talking about. We're, we're a team. We're connected. We do this together. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. They're different, but God gave them to us uh, on purpose. How many different gifts are there? Man, the Bible lists these all through the, Holy, uh, through the, the Bible, and we've broken them down in our churches, seven, to be able to teach them in this way. But I tell you that there were sign gifts, and this is where a lot of confusion comes in. If you go back to Acts chapter 2, he gave them sign gifts, miraculous gifts that Jesus bestowed upon the 12 disciples and the apostles to be able to get the gospel out. If you go, there's a beautiful picture. And it says that they gathered them together, and Peter got up and he began to be, preach. And as he preached, every man heard in his own what? In his own language. So how did that happen? Peter, man, that's... Peter was indwelled by the Spirit of God to do what Peter could not normally do. For the advancement of the gospel, let me explain the key of that. Number one was for the advancement of the gospel. Number two, that every man understood. And they got it in their own language. There was miraculous gifts. And, and we, we can talk about those and break those things down of what God did for the transition of for reaching the unbelieving Jews that he did these supernatural, miraculous things through them for them to have the sign that they were of Jesus Christ. But we're talking about the serving gifts that Jesus Christ has given us. For us in our generation, in our dispensation. Verse 6, he said, having then gifts differing according to the grace of God. Now listen, let me, let, me, let me make a list. Let the Bible make a list. Whether prophecy, let him prophesy according to the portion of faith. Or ministry, let him wait on ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth, let him uh, on exhortation. He that giveth. Let him do it with simplicity. He ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Remember, God is a God of variety. Can I show you and show you, break this list down? Now this is what we're going to do. We're going to audience participation today. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, we're we're going to create a team on the stage. 
Because it's not going to be a football team, it's going to be a ministry team. Greg, would you mind coming up on the stage and helping me with this? We're going to break these things down. The first one used the idea of prophecy or preaching. Let me, let me explain this, because sometimes the word prophecy, if you can line up, Greg, right here on this piece of perfect, awesome. Uh, prophecy, this, this is not that this one is more important than anybody else, but I think this is even uh, fitting for Greg, because Greg is a preacher. He is a teacher of the word of God. He expounds on the things of God. Prophets of the Old Testament, they, they would get a word from God and then they would go out and say, God wants us to live right. God told me what we're doing is wrong. But eventually they were writing down the prophecies into the word of God. Now today I can be a preacher of the word of God because I have every prophecy that he gave me to be able to proclaim the word of God. I'm able to get, as God speaks to me and God works in my heart and God illuminates the word of God, I'm able to preach it. Now, there are teachers that explain the Word of God, and there's preachers that proclaim the Word of God, and I'm thankful for all of those things. But, man, they call things out. There's an ability that God is giving some people to be able to get up and say, hey, church, this is not working. Thus saith the Lord, we need to get our hearts right. And we call people to repentance by the act of an invitation or just praying or getting our hearts right with God. And God equips some people to do this. And it's not for everybody. Say, Pastor Tony, I could, I could never do what you do. And, 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 but some of you guys are called to do what I do. It's the, it's, it's the confronting issues. And, but there's another one called mercy. I need, I need a volunteer. I'm, I'm not just going to call it. Can I have a volunteer? Come on up. Gary, we're, we're going give, to give you the gift of mercy. And that's not necessarily that everybody that stands with these signs has this. But I want, I want you to have this gift of mercy. If you go stand next to Greg, you're, you're part of that team right there, buddy. Now, the gift of mercy is a gift from God where you show compassion and care on a level where others do not. The hurts of people will hurt you. It breaks you. You weep with those that weep. You see a need, you want to fill it. You enjoy caring for the hurting people. You, know, you naturally know how to give hope to people. You know, you know the type of people that will see people and just be like, hey man, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. And then you're just like, no, I can tell by something. You can, you can pick up on it and just like, I just want you to know. I love you and care about you. Now, there's some of you that could go by and say, did you see, did, did you see so-and-so at church? They look so broken. And you're like, oh, I didn't see. You know, <laughs> you're just oblivious. But God's given the ability for some of us to be able to read the hurts of people. Kim Mitchell is one of these people, not trying to embarrass you. Kim Mitchell is absolutely one of these people. She, she is, she's broken over the needs of people. She, she sees the needs of people. She she reaches into the hearts of people. She comes to me all the time saying, I want to help so-and-so. People have these gifts of love. They serve through these things. They, they, I, I think of, uh, we, we have a food pantry in our church. John, John Kirshner started that. John had a burden and said, I, I, I heard from these people that don't have food. I, I want to meet the need that they have. Think of Phil Purdy that runs a recovery group. And you say, man, I couldn't do that. I don't have the patience for that. God gave him the patience for that because he steps in to meet that need. I think of Dawn. I think of how she just loves her community. She, she sees these needs around us and she's so compelled and she gives up her time constantly for the people that are down and out. They serve in food pantries, homeless ministries, prayer teams and recovery groups. You say, that's not me. That's okay. That's not everybody. But it is some of you. Now I'm gonna, you're going to say, I thought we were talking about singing. Well, let, let me tie that in here in a minute. But then there's leadership. I need another I need a volunteer. We're doing seven, so just get ready. I need a volunteer. There's a lot. Of, come on up, Ron. Come on up. Leadership. This is, this is a good one. I'm going to use you as another illustration later, but I'm going to use you right now for this one. This is leadership. Not everybody has the gift of leadership. I can tell you Pastor Chris has this gift. I think of Bruce DeLaPasta that's in our church has this. Uh, Stacy Barrett has this gift. Stacy McMunn has this gift. I'm going I'm to have you stand right next to this guy right here. Think about when it comes to leadership in, in the church that God gives some people the ability to be able to organize things together, to stand out in front and say, hey, we need to get started or we need a schedule or we need a plan or we need people. We need a sign-up sheet. We, 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 we need a team to be able to make this happen. Now, it's amazing how this guy right here would come up and say, we need a food pantry because people are hurting in this, in this world. And he's preaching the truth that God loves everybody. And this guy says, well, we need to organize a team. Now, you guys are going to start seeing how they're all different and how they all work together, how important this is. These are people that schedulers, they're trainers, they're assistants, they create processes, they do things with clarity. 
Because a lot of times, these people working by themselves make things fall apart. That's not, a, that's not a dig about anybody like that. But sometimes they're like so busy crying and praying with that person and meeting that need that they're like, uh, we never actually ordered the food. It's like, I wasn't worried about that. I just, they need Jesus right now. And this guy's over there saying, they'll say, if the Lord, we need to meet on Sunday. He's like, we, we need everybody to be able to do these parts. The next one is people behind the scenes. It's giving. I need a volunteer. You don't have to give anything. You just have to walk up on the stage. So uh, come on up. Hey, uh, Nick, you come up too. You come up too. All right. I was hoping for girl volunteers because I can't have just a bunch of guys up here. God is a God of variety. God made us all. All right, if you could go stand next to Ron and hold that up. Giving is so cool because God has the ability of some people, not everybody, to be able to do this in a certain way where God equips you and blesses you with resources for the purpose of giving away those resources. They understand the principle of give and it shall be given unto you. Give and it shall be. And all you are is a funnel, is God funnels down through you. And these are the people that when the ministry is going on or something's happening in the church and there's a need and you say, hey, we've got an opportunity to give. They actually go to the edge of their seat going, you know what? I love this. I'm staring in the face of some of you right now that I know you have this gift and I'm not calling your names because this is the thing about this gift. When people give in this way, normally what they do is they just don't want to be noticed. I'm not doing this for elevation of myself. I want to be behind the scenes. I want to be a blessing. But you know what the crazy thing is? They give and they like it. <laughs> Serious. They're just like I, I, that, that missionary story and they're, they're building that orphanage and, and I want to be part of that. And I, I, and I don't want anybody knowing. And, they, and the crazy thing is, man, you have that heart for that food pantry, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you cry when you talk about it. Man, you organize the team, but I tell you what, if we don't have this, we don't have this. Do you guys get that? There's got to be someone behind the scenes pushing and making this happening. You, you, you've got people that are in tune with people's needs. And then, then the gift of helps. Nick, come on up here. You're, you're going to be the gift of helps, the idea of helping, whatever. Man, this is an important one. I'll, I'll get to the end and you just say, well, this one's not as important. Man, if you can stand in line with these guys. Let me explain what this one is. The gift of helps is they naturally desire to make things happen. They love to get the job done. I, I was uh, thinking about this morning, I was preaching this, or getting ready to preach this, and I pull up early in the morning to set things up, and we have a prayer meeting at 8 o'clock that we do and stuff. And I pull in the parking lot, there's a van already sitting in front of the church. And I'm thinking, who in the world is that? I get out of my car, and Irene McCombs is walking up and down the front of the church, watering all the flowers that make the front of the church so beautiful. She's out there by hand watering the flowers. She puts it all away, comes in the church. She never gets recognized. She's never out there like, you know, like, wow, look at me. She never posted hashtag serving Jesus, you know, like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Finding a little orphan kid and like have hashtag serving Jesus with the love of God, selfishly, hashtag humble. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> just loving Jesus. Yeah, just. But, but these people, it's amazing. I, I, was, I, was, I was, had the opportunity or the responsibility during vacation Bible school that I get up in the lift and I was hanging the planets in here and Ken and Ingrid that's in our church and a lot of you guys know them and love them, amazing people. They just come in here and I'm up there and they're like, what can we do to help? I said, well, I'm on a lift. There's nothing we can do to help. So they were like standing down there with everything that I needed to go up in the lift, every single thing. And, and, and when I got done, I said, oh, I have to come in on Saturday and I just have to finish a couple of things. And they said, well, what do you need help? I said, I really don't need help. I'll, I'll be able to do it by myself. I came in Saturday morning, no joke. The whole place was dark. Everything was empty. Ken and Ingrid were sitting on the front pew. I'm like, what are you guys here? They said, you're working today, so we're here to help. Like, why, why are you doing Do you guys understand that some people, if you had to come in on Saturday to help with some project, you'd be like, man, I don't want to be there. And I told them, and why'd I volunteer? And like, this drives me crazy. You, just, you don't have that gift. It's not, a, it's not a drive. Because you can get where I'm going with this. It's a spiritual gift that there's a power that goes beyond your gifts and ability to push you to do what you normally would not do because of God working through you. It helps. Not everyone enjoys helping in this way, but they seek it out. 
They, they don't walk away when we say, hey, it's time to clean up. And somebody's like telling their wife, so we need to go to the car right now. Don't ask questions. Go, go get out. <laughs> no judging here. I know who you are. I'm kidding. But that's the other person that are just standing around saying, why are you here? Just like, man, I, I know that you guys have this to do. We just want to be here to help. Can, can I tell you, you might have that gift of mercy because you're walking out to the hallway and you start praying with that person. There's nothing wrong with that. So I don't want anybody saying, because here's what happens. The helping people can get very critical of the mercy people. It's like the guy that's on the offensive line that says, man, I keep getting punched in the face and ran to the ground to be able to make you stand up. It just takes both of them, okay? Do you understand that? It takes both of them. But let me, let me continue this. Let me, let me show you this. Then there's also encouragement. Uh, I, I, need, I need another volunteer. Give me, let me, where's some girls? Where's the girls? Teenager, anybody, come on up. There we go. Uh, this, is, this is the gift of encouragement. These, these people are the cheerleaders. The, the, these people are so important. Now, it's, I'm, I'm giving you this list. Now, if you stand for this, and I'm going to... Nick, if you guys can stand for it a little bit, just, there you go, perfect, perfect. If you want to stand in line with Nick right there, this is perfect. Encourages, God gives them a word to give to other people. It's like, man, I don't don't know why, I just want you to know that you're loved. You You know what I'm talking about, those people that do that kind of stuff? They just like, I just want you to know that you're loved. Those people that will be driving on the road and and they'll text somebody, okay, right, you're that guy, dude. I'm telling you, Ron, he's that guy. He just, he's, a, he's an edifier. Ed Dokes is an edifier. Kim Mitchell is an edifier. I can go through this room and, and, and just, you just are, are Bob and Char. Okay, you guys are edifiers. I'm, I'm not trying to, and just so you know, it's like, man, you're playing favorites. No, I observe these things just from serving with these people, and I know that that's who they are. And the, the important thing is, is sometimes the mercy person is so worn out from giving of themselves that they feel, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I've got this gift and ability, but sometimes I feel so drained from always dealing with people's hurts, and right now I'm just hurting. Here comes the encourager. There's Rachel's in there and just says, I just want you to know that you make a difference. I could never do what you do, but I just know that when I see you serving God, man, it fires me up. And they keep going. And this, these are straight out of Scripture. These are straight of what God did it. They send the text. They write the notes. They, they, they make it obvious. And, and, and this is so cool. I, I, I remember Ben Snyder. There's not, God took him home. And man, I miss that guy. Ruth's here this morning. But Ruth and I both know that Ben was one of the most encouraging people that I've ever had as a pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. There's not one thing that I ever did. Not one thing that I ever did. Down to a business meeting, he would write me a card and either send it in the mail or put it in the offering for me to get through the offering. And it would just be like, Pastor Tony, I just want to thank you for organizing this, for leading this, for having this idea, for having this vision, for having this. And he would just write out aspects of what happened, just say, and, and I'm telling you, I'm not dogging anybody else that doesn't do that, but God equips some people to be that kind of mindset to do those types of things. And then there's teaching. I need, I need one more person. Then we're, we're down to the end of our church. Oh, look at here. Oh, come on up. This is great. Can you guys give her a hand? This is, this is awesome. You talk about unexpected. This is great. Man, I guarantee you, you have some things to tell these people right here and set them straight when it comes to your teaching. I know, I know you could be a great teacher. But I, the teachers are the people that, or, you know, like, let, let me just, they break the down truths. Okay, sometimes... Preachers that do like I do cannot do, and I'm just saying this, cannot do what John Sullivan does and Aaron Blevins does and Tony Rafa does. I, I love to teach, but I tell you, I don't believe that it is my gifting. Like I sit before John Sullivan and I learn things out of the simplest Old Testament passages that blows my mind that I normally want to get. I'm taking notes so that I can write it into my message on Sunday from what John teaches on Wednesday. And you say, man, you're stealing. No, we're a team. Yes, that's right. I steal ideas because I'm, I'm part of the team. Okay. I, I, let's, let's flip the script a little bit. Let, let, me, let me change this up a little bit now that we have this team. So they, they explain it. And sometimes, let, let me put it like this. There's, <clears throat> there's a gift mix that God does. And you're going to learn this in here in a minute a little bit. Not, 
not everybody has all in one thing. Can I tell you that? I, I do believe that I'm a preacher, and I'm not, I'm not saying that because you say that's your title, Pastor John, but, now, but I believe that I've been called into this, and I love it, and I have a drive for this. I get excited about Sundays. I preach to myself and my computer as I'm preaching, as I'm writing this. Man, I, 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 I like break down, go to the altar, give an offering in my office. I mean, the whole thing. It's like, man, I, I look forward to this. This is in me to do this. But I also know that I, am, I, I have this kind of thing in me. I'm not saying that to brag. I just know that I am. I, I have a mix of that. And so sometimes my way that I lead in the church and stuff like that sometimes is by doing, get, put my hands on things to do it. And that's my, that's kind of my, I, I can tell you, Pastor Chris definitely has the leadership, the administrative, the organization of it. He has that, but he also has this. It's, it's a mix that God allows us to even like accentuate some of the things that we do. He brings them together, and it's really powerful and cool the way that God does this. He creates a mix. But I want, I want you guys to see that God's giving you talents. And you say, I thought this wasn't my talent. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't leave out the talent because you have a talent. Some of you can play instruments and some of you guys can sing. And some of you, let's just take the choir. Let's just take that because that's a visual that everybody says. You you would think if you can sing that you need to be in the choir. If you can't sing, you probably shouldn't be in the choir. Can I just throw that out there? Save it for the shower, okay? Just, but (laughs) that's not your thing. And sometimes you, anyways, not going there. It's just God loves you, brother. So, uh. But I, I can tell you that this, this needs to be the choir. And you say, no, 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 it's about singing. When you have a passion, when you have a passion and talent in your life and you bring it with your spiritual gift, all of a sudden you begin to have something special that God does. Let's say you, you, you like to teach. You like to teach, but you don't like kids. Don't volunteer for kids ministry. Please don't volunteer for kids ministry. All right, kids, straighten up and listen to me. Can't stand kids, but I want to tell you about Jesus. You know, just like, you, you probably need to be with adults because, yes, you have the gift of teaching, but you don't have the passion for children. Does that make sense? If some of you don't have the gift of mercy, you probably shouldn't help us pray with people at the altar. You know, just like, tell me what's going on. My life's a mess, and I, I need Jesus, and I made some big mistakes. Well, let me tell you, you got yourself into this, and now you want Jesus to get you out of this. You, you can pray and repent, sister, you know, or brother, brother, because uh, you, you don't have the gift of mercy. So you say, but I, I like helping people. Don't help people in that way because you're not compassionate. I tell you, Kim would stay till five o'clock and pray with you and, and cry through every need that you have because it's the spiritual drive. Do you understand? Behind the music ministry, this is the drive. This is what turns a choir from music into ministry. This is where the power comes from. This is where the passion comes from. Somebody... Greg would be a perfect person for this because he is this and he loves music. Stand up and say, can I tell you that this song that we're about to sing is about the Lord of hosts that goes before us. We're not just singing some, we're not just singing some random song. We're not just singing some random words. These are out of the word of God and they mean something. This mercy person standing next to that person that's singing in the choir, you're like, well, it's all about this. Man, sometimes it's about this. You know that this person had a hard time this week. And they're sitting there with the music and they're, they're, they're crying as they sing the words. And this person puts their arm around that person and just says, hey, let me tell you, I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you that I'm going to pray for you right now. Actually, let's step into the other room and let's just pray because I know that you're going through something. And then there's the leadership. Somebody has to make the copies. Somebody has to organize the things. Somebody has to say when practices. Somebody has to say what door they're walking in, where to stand on the stage. Somebody has to do that. Then there's giving. Do you understand that everything that we do in ministry requires money? Everything. So the church is all about money. We're about the work of ministry, and that takes money, okay? Everybody knows that. If you have a house, it's all for my family. Let me tell you, it takes money. It takes money. But it's amazing how God gives some people the ability to give to things because God knows that they're a conduit. They're a funnel to be able to get the job done. And then you have the people that are helping. I went back for a connecting point afterwards. There's tables set up. There's chairs set up. There's music there. Somebody had to go in there and run that off. And a lot of times it's the leadership person that will say, 
hey, do I have somebody that can run up and make copies? Don't go running making the copies because you have somebody that, I love to make copies. But this person's running around doing this job because he doesn't understand that we're a team and he has the gift of, and then there's the gift of encouragement. You know, just that person that stands up before we sing and just say, hey, before we go out there today, can I just tell you that two people were saved last Sunday and it's because God was working and I believe that God's working because we're obeying God as we sing. So let's get out there and sing from our hearts and give God all the glory and honor for what we do because it's all about God and it changes the mindset of everybody that's going out there. And then we have the teacher. Stop. Somebody's off key and we need to fix this before we look dumb on Facebook Live. So, (laughs) all right, I need the altos a little more from the out. Not that much, not that much. You know, you have to have the teacher, the ones that break it down. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. Who's more important? They're all on the team. You got your running back and your quarterback and you got your defensive line and you got your kicker. You've got all these people that do all these different things. But I'll tell you what, if you guys all have this mindset, you understand what that is and you've got to identify that. If you all know what that is, let me tell you, when it comes to playing the game, there's a spiritual drive. Can I just say, with every one of these things, you know what I see? Jesus. Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world that he was moved with compassion to them that were sick. And that he, was, he went up there, was an edifier of them. He was a teacher. See, ministries fall apart when we make it about our talents. And we leave out the spiritual gifting that God gave us to make it happen. See, none of this, this just makes sense. And it all clicks together and works together. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. The manifestation is the outward pouring of it. So for anybody to say, I just don't have the ability, I don't have anything to give, that's not true. Okay, God, God gives to all of us. But let, let me show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, is given to every man. Literally, it's saying every Christian has a spiritual gift. Did you guys hear me? Let me read the Bible. Is given to every man. Every man, every woman in this building that knows Jesus Christ has a spiritual gift. And I'm saying this because you should be aware of what that is. And I'm sometimes, just from serving with some of you, I've been able to pick up on some of what those things are. But it's, if we don't understand that we can believe the lie in the back of our minds that I don't really make a difference. I have nothing to offer this. Paul, this is my job right here. How, how, how do we... Stir this up. Bible says in first or Second Timothy 1 6, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou should stir up the gift of God which is in thee. You know, you know what Paul was doing? He was, he was stirring up the gift in Paul. Do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm trying to make sure. Let me let me do this. I know this is silly, but it clicks with me, so hopefully it will click with you guys. Stop staying here. Paul was saying, I'm trying to stir up the gift in you because here's the thing. According to the gift given to every man, every one of us has this. So you know what I do even as a coach or as a leader or the, you know, the preacher or whatever? I just want to say, I want to stir this up in you because you've, got, you've been called, you've been chosen, you were, you, you've got a purpose for your life, God's got a plan for your life. So here we are so frustrated with the world around us. And God says we would make a difference if you would recognize the gift and get off the bench. And you say, I'm scared. Verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me close with this last point. Here's some things you need to know about your spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given to us to accomplish the mission of God. He says in that last part of that verse, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. You have the, the ability within you through Jesus Christ to make a difference. To profit. To move children's ministry forward. To move the choir forward. To be able to move the, the, the outreach and recovery groups forward. God is giving you something. The lie that I can't make a difference. You need to understand the value of this. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 15. 
If the foot shall say, because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body. You say, that's ridiculous. You say, I'm, because I'm, 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 I'm not, the foot shall say, I'm not the hand. I'm going to say, well, I have no value. That is not true. Because I'm not of the eye, am I not of the body? Therefore, not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? The whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? There'd be nothing there. If everybody was a quarterback, who's going to catch the ball? See, the problem is he was saying, when you don't understand what you've been made to be, something's missing in the church. And I believe as churches are failing and closing their doors and as people are going to hell and altars are not filled, baptisms are not moved, all these things are not happening, could it be because we have too many people sitting watching the game rather than participating in the calling that God has given, the role that God has called them to? You say, I'm just not important, man. I don't do anything. Verse 22, nay, much more than those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. You say, I'm just, I'm older. I'm, I'm telling you, I've got this or I've got that. And those members of the body which think to be less honorable upon they might bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. So this is just literally saying, for those parts that say, I don't make a difference. Have you ever thought of this? About that, that, that Sunday school class or that junior church class or that Wednesday night class. And that one kid that keeps acting up. And you just say, man, I'm going to spin it. You got that gift of mercy. And you pull them off to the side and you sit them there and you just say, hey, tell me what's going on right now. And just say, I don't know. I just had a bad day and whatever. You pour into them. Do you understand that that moment right there could change their life Forever. Forever. That their testimony one day would be walk up here and just say, man, I, I struggled in life and I never thought I had value. But one day when I was just so frustrated, some person pulled me off to the side and they invested in me. And that person could be the next D.L. Moody or Billy Graham. Say, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. But I'll tell you what happens when that person just says, I have nothing to offer. So I'm just going to slip into the back and slip out of church and I'm just going to blend into the darkness. It's not what we do. The Bible says in verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. I, I feel like if I was to line this up and we were talking about different ministries, there's a bunch of holes missing. So I just don't matter. Oh, stop. Stop believing the lie. Stop believing the lie. You matter so much. You matter so much. I just want you to figure out what your passion is. Man, that talent, that ability, man, that thing that you have. And then the spiritual gift, that power of God that shows Jesus Christ. And we're just trying in the church right now. We are going to bring them together. And all of a sudden, ministry happens. We bring those together and Jesus is known. We bring it together and the choir goes from a song special to ministering power hour of Jesus Christ working through the words that you say. Because all of them are filled with the Spirit of God proclaiming who Jesus is through you. There's a danger when we believe that we have nothing to offer. 